Good morning. Am I on? Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan and the elders of this church for inviting us back here once again. We appreciate you having us. Despite the heavy accent, you have invited us again. Thank you. <laughs> I'm also glad um, this morning to have my wife, Venencia, with me. We've been married for 32 years and we have four kids and she's a blessing. She helps to keep me straight. So I'm glad to have her with me this morning. Everyone in life wants to identify with the winner. Be it in sports or the arts, we want to cozy up with the winners, the victors. We see this in high school, we see this all around us. If you are a sports star, people, they are attracted to you. They want to hang around with you. When I was younger, I played sports for a semi-pro soccer team in Africa. And it was interesting to see the number of people that just wanted to hang around me, to hang out with me, just because they knew that once in a while I would be out there in the paper with my name there, and they wanted to associate with a star. The disciples were excited that they had chosen to follow the Messiah, the leader who will help to free the children of Israel. They were part of the inner circle of their hero. They were excited that they were following a leader who drew crowds, who performed miracles. This was exciting just to be part of the elite group that was so close to him. And in this chapter that we are looking at this morning, the transfiguration is one of the five major milestones in the life of Christ. The other four being the baptism, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension. And the context to our story this morning is that in chapter eight, just before chapter nine, Jesus talked about something that was earth-shattering to his disciples. All along, they, they believed Jesus was the Messiah, their liberator, and all-conquering hero. Whenever the children of Israel heard the story about the Messiah or heard the prophecies about the Messiah, they had hope that one day he will come and he will liberate us from the clutches of the Roman Empire, 
from the oppression of the Roman Empire. That was their hope. But we see just before chapter 9, Jesus dropping a bombshell to his disciples in Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 33. It says, he taught them of his suffering to come and his rejection, death and resurrection. This was something new and strange to the disciples. All along, they thought that they were following the hero, the Messiah, the liberator. And all of a sudden, things take a sudden twist for the unexpected. He is now talking about being killed. He is now talking about being humiliated. He is now talking about being rejected. This was not what they thought the Messiah would be. This was a game changer in their thoughts. Their superhero, the Messiah was to be humiliated, despised, rejected, crucified, and actually die. And Peter, as usual, went to the extent of saying that he would not allow that to happen to Jesus. They did not understand Isaiah 53 and could not connect the dots between suffering, death, resurrection, and redemption of mankind by the way of the cross. Yet Jesus knew and understood his destiny. He understood what he had to go through in order to redeem mankind and pay the price for sin. Thus the transfiguration takes place at a time when the disciples were discouraged by the news that they just heard about his coming death. They were disillusioned. They were confused by Jesus' prediction of his coming death. And just before he had talked to them about his coming death, he was sensing the doubts that were in their hearts. And he started off by throwing out a casual question in uh, chapter 8, verse 29. And he says, who do people say I am? And I think there was a lot of back and forth until Peter hit the jackpot and said that you are the Messiah. But Jesus, deep down in his heart, he knew that there was some explain, explaining that still needed to be done because they still hadn't grasped his mission. They still hadn't grasped what lay ahead for him on the road to Jerusalem. Because all this is transpiring at the height of his ministry, when he's coming to the highest point of his ministry, when he's coming to go to Jerusalem, when everything is going to happen. Little did they know that God was going to show up in a big way and confirm who Jesus 
really was. As usual, God is the last word. And starting from verse 2, it says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them to a high mountain where they were all alone. David says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Psalms 121. God ratified, renewed, and gave the covenant on high mountains. William Black wrote and said that great things happen when man meets mountain. We see Noah's ark on Mount Ararat. We see on Mount Sinai, Moses being given the law. And we see Mount Zion as the city of David. And we see Mount Carmel where Elijah called fire down. There is a connection between God and mountains. And Jesus took his disciples to this high mountain, taking them to another level, revealing something new to them. And the first thing that we see when they get to that high mountain, the first thing is the glory of Jesus. Verse 3, his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. He was transfigured. The Greek term used metamorpho means his appearance changed into form of heavenly glory. He changed from the inside to the outside. Though Jesus was 100% human, he was also 100% God. The glory that was inside him was the one that made him shine. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he was no longer veiled. So this is a glimpse of the glory that was inside him. And Mark 18 verse 26 says, he will return in power and in glory. So in this transfiguration, it was what was inside him that was shining to the outside. In the Old Testament scripture that we read earlier on, Moses' face was radiant when he descended from Mount Sinai. The radiance came off from the reflection of God's glory. It was an external reflection and he started to shine. But the difference here is that with Jesus, it was not coming from an external source as the pastor taught in his sermon that the sun makes the moon shine. God's glory, it made Moses' face shine. But with Jesus, the shining was coming from inside. He produced the glory that was veiled inside his body. It was internal. It was a revelation of who he was from the inside. The three disciples, they saw the son of man in his kingdom. The disciples saw God's glory. The outer splendor was created by his inner purity. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, All our righteousness is like filthy rags. Christ alone had the purity inside him to take away our sins. 
And at this point in time, we saw a reflection of that purity shining out so words. And also this brightness recalls the Shekinah glory of God seen in the Old Testament. This shining and glory superseded the glory seen at Mount Sinai and elsewhere. According to William Lane, the transfiguration is the revelation of the concealed splendor of the Son of Man. This was not evident from the outside because the Son of Man was marked by humiliation and suffering. So that's the first thing that we see, the glory of the Son of Man. The second thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus fulfills it all. Verse 4, and there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. Both men encountered God on mountains. God gave the Israelites the law and used the prophets in the Old Testament to guide his people. In the New Testament, after Christ's death and resurrection, God accomplished all that he had been doing through the law and the prophets at the cross. Christ paid it once and for all. So the prophets and the law, they guided us, they accompanied us to the presence of God. And when Christ came on the scene, he took over from where they had left off. In Hebrews chapter one, verses one to two, it says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. And through him, he made the, uni the universe. Christ fulfilled the law and the prophets, according to Matthew 5, verse 17. Moses saw at the transfiguration what he did not see at Sinai. He saw at the transfiguration the face of Jesus. Amen. You are free to say amen. Verses 5 and 6. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Verse 6. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Once again, as usual, Peter speaks out of ten. He opens his mouth when he's just supposed to shut up. Jesus was not an equal to Moses or Elijah. Jesus shone because the light was coming from within him. Jesus was the focal point here, not the other two. Both Moses and Elijah had done their part up to that point, and Jesus was going to finish and accomplish the mission of bathing the church at Calvary. The third part, the affirmation. Verse 7, then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. A voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. 
the cloud overshadowed them. In the Old Testament, we see that a cloud filled the temple. God led the Israelites by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And the scriptures, they tell us that Jesus, when he comes back, he will come in a cloud. The cloud signifies the presence of God. If the disciples had doubts that Christ was the Messiah, these were cleared once and for all here. Remember, the disciples could not piece together the story that the all-conquering Messiah was to be rejected and die a shameful death on the cross. They could not reconcile these two. Then God steps in and makes it very clear that Jesus was the beloved son of God. God will always have the last word. There are some people worrying, where is our country headed to? What are we headed into? As if God is powerless. Ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make this um, up morning. God is sovereign. God is the almighty God. He is not going to be conquered by what is happening around us. He is in control of the situation. He will have the last word. And God steps in and makes it clear that Jesus was his beloved son. And God was also endorsing the upcoming suffering and death. It was all part of the, the divine story. God commanded the disciples to listen to Jesus. And Acts chapter 3 verse 22 says, For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen to everything he tells you. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, understood this. And she told the servants at the wedding at Cana in John chapter 2 verse 5. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Jesus' words are the most important words. His word is alive. His word is quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. He doesn't send his word in vain. He watches over his word to hearken to perform that which he promised in Jeremiah verses one, chapter 1 verse 12. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away but my words will never pass away. We see here Jesus being endorsed as the voice of the Trinity. Verses eight and nine. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one except they were alone with Jesus. And this signified that Jesus will walk the journey of suffering alone. Verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The disciples were left with Jesus alone. He was all they needed. He commanded them to keep silent. Why? It's because at this point in time, they did not have the gospel. The gospel had not come into being. The gospel was only birthed and completed when he suffered 
when he went to Jerusalem, when he died and when he resurrected, then they had the message. That's when he commanded them to say, you are now free to go into the world and preach the gospel. But before his death, before his resurrection, he told them to keep quiet because they didn't have a message to say to the people. And we see the whole Trinity descending here. We see the Father being represented by the voice. And we see the Son himself being transfigured. And we see the Holy Spirit in the cloud. Meaning that this was a pivotal moment for the three persons of the Trinity, for them to descend on this mountain and make this statement. They were saying, we are about to accomplish and redeem mankind once and for all, that the power of sin will be broken once and for all. Thank you, amen. And all the symbols of God's glory were also present. We see a high mountain, shining garments, biblical patriarchs, and a shadowing cloud, and a voice from heaven. Why? The mission was finally about to be accomplished in Jerusalem. The mission for you and I to be set free. What can we take away in conclusion? Three things. Number one. Jesus is all we need. He represents the very presence of God. We should seek to know him. Paul says, that I may know him. Spend time in prayer. I was touched when pastor mentioned that we are not praying as we should. We need to have the desire. Make it your desire this year that I may know him. And Paul says, not only that I may know him, but that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. There are many layers to the glory of God that we can keep feeling as we read and pray and know him in new ways. That's the first thing. The second thing, listen to him. We should listen to his words. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they know my voice. As you read to your Bible, Listen to what he says to you. There are many voices speaking to us today, but during this Lent season, turn off those voices and tune in to his voice as you read the Bible. And the third thing, they did not stay at the mountaintop. They had to come down to the village after an encounter with God or a revelation, or a top spiritual experience, we still have to come down to everyday life, be it school, houseworking, be a missionary in your everyday life. They had seen this encounter. They had been changed. They had been transformed. And we are transformed in order to go into our everyday life and be missionaries to transform others. Amen.